So let's go ahead and jump into today's message. Um, before I, I really get into our content today, sometimes I like to just kind of set some expectations and make sure we're all on the same page as we move into a message. And so I want to do that today because I'm just warning you guys ahead of time that I am excited about today's message, all right? I, I, uh, last, last year, my word for the year and something that I really wanted to be given to was passion. I wanted to be passionate, and I hope that you see that today, and I think that you will. But I'm just warning you ahead of time. I might be a little louder than normal. I might be, be yelling a little bit, which, again, isn't normal for me. I, I would much rather stand up here and just talk and teach. That's much more my nature, but sometimes we get a topic like this and it riles me up. And so I'm just warning you ahead of time and I would invite you to join me in that excitement and in that passion because ultimately that's the objective that we would all come together and get behind what God is doing, okay? So with that being said, today we are gonna be rolling out the word of the year for the Bridge Church, okay? The word of the year for 2021. Now, we did this last year, actually for the very first time in 2020, our word was obedience. And uh, I think as you look back to last year and all of the crazy things that happened, that was very relevant to the things that we uh, encountered, right? We had to make a lot of important decisions. And, and so we had to look to God and be obedient through every bit of that. And I think this year, this word is maybe even more fitting as we look to the future. Now, just quickly for those who maybe aren't super familiar with this whole idea of a word of the year, um, this has become a new trend. It's kind of just come about over the last three to five years or so, and it's kind of picked up some steam. And the reason that is, is because studies actually show that rather than uh, a resolution, a word of the year actually gives you this really good combination of having some widespread goals, but also being focused in it with, with your feelings and with your emotions. In other words, if you have a resolution to lose 20 pounds, um, and all of a sudden you start off the year in a bad way, and maybe you start to gain a little bit weight, quickly you're just going to throw that aside and you're done with it. But a word for the year allows you to look at it from different angles and apply it to different parts of your life. It's much more effective and sustainable. And so this is why people tend to lean more towards this. And we believe in this. We believe that this can and will make an impact if we're given to it. And so let's go ahead and start to dig into our word for the year. Um, the last few weeks, I've been really serious uh, about my studies around this and ultimately seeking after God's will and direction. That's what's most important. What do you want us to be focused on? What do you want us to be given to? And uh, it's funny, I was studying in the book of Acts chapter 17, actually for a series that we're going to start next week. I was just doing my normal study and I came upon a scripture that uh, I've read before. I've heard it many times before, but it just hit me in a different way. And so that is ultimately going to be kind of our base scripture for the year that we're going to be given to. And so let's go ahead and read through this. I'm going to kind of set it up before we get to it. So let's go to Acts chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 24. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to a group of people, and this is what he says. He says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. 
And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now, let me just pause right there for a second. What Paul is doing is he's trying to, to show these people who God really is. He's trying to bring the identity of God to light. This is who he is. And next week, we're going to dig into exactly why he's doing that. But then we get to verse 28. And this is the scripture that I'm talking about that I want to lean into today. It's very simple, but it's so profound. Verse 28, he says, for in him, in this God that I'm explaining to you, in him, we live and move and exist. In him, we live and we move and we exist. Now, again, I've heard this scripture many times before. I've seen this. I've I've been taught about this many times before, but it hit me in a different way. And I'll tell you why, because I started to look at the words that are being used here. And I started to realize that two of these words are kind of a a given. They're they're kind of a given. To live, to exist, that's that's a given, right? That just means that you are, right? But then that third word, to move, is something different. So to move, there's a different sense about that word that we need to understand and be given to. And so I started to just kind of survey my life and try to personalize this. And I started to think to myself, you know, um, what do I want to do with my life? Like, what, what do I really want to accomplish? What do I really want to impact? And I started to think, you know what? I don't want to just live. I, I don't want to just exist and, and be alive I want to do great things. I want to move. I want to make an impact. And in order to do that, I have to move in him. That's what I've got to do. And so I started to think about this within the context of scripture because something is pretty clear as we read about and learn about God in scripture that he is very much a God of movement and motion. This is very much who he is. In many ways, that's, that's exactly who God is. If you think about it, we open up our Bibles at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. We're two verses into the Bible, and this is what we read. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So catch this. This is cool because the elements, the earth was formless. It's, it's void. There's nothing but darkness, but the spirit is moving. There's, there's life, there's movement, there's motion. And when you start to think about his creation, that continues forward. You think about the moon and, and, and the earth constantly moving. You think about the blood that's constantly going through our veins, that's keeping us alive. All of God's creation and movement, this is who he is. Do we realize that he's a God of movement and that as his people This is what he expects of us. He expects us to move. He expects us to go. And I think this is something that so often we don't realize. So often we're not given to this principle. We miss out on it. I started to think about myself and and how I can relate to this. I don't know if anybody feels the same way, but I feel like, you know, I can come up with some really awesome ideas, right? Man, I can come up with some cool concepts, and I can line out a perfect plan for you. But then to actually do it, right? Then to actually like move in it, that's something different. How can I actually do what I need to do to accomplish the goal? 
And the more I started to dig into this idea, the more I started to think, you know what would be an absolute shame? Do you know what would be absolutely tragic? Is if God put us together as a church and he equipped us to make an impact and to change the community around us, but we didn't do it because we wouldn't get up and move. Like, is that the church that we want to be? Do we want to be a church with a bunch of great ideas, but we're not willing to put in the work to actually accomplish it? Is that really who we want to be? And so here is our challenge for 2021. This, this is our challenge, and we have to be given to it like never before. Can we come together, and can we truly move and make an impact in this community? Can we truly go and make something happen? Now, now listen, I'm not saying we haven't already made an impact. I'm not taking any work away from anybody, but I'm talking about new levels of impact and change that is right before us. Can we come together and move like this as a church? Because that's what we need to do. That's what we must be given to. And this, again, this is a concept that I just, I couldn't seem to escape as I was going through my studies the past few weeks. I couldn't seem to get away from it. It was literally like every psalm that I read, every, every story that I studied just kept bringing me back to this idea of movement and, and taking action. But I actually came upon something in scripture that really solidified this concept for me. And it actually wasn't um, some amazing story. It wasn't, you know, some life-changing message that we read about in Scripture. It was actually a simple Greek word that I really just stumbled upon and began to study, and it brought forth such beautiful depth and clarity that I was looking for. And so let me explain this real quick so that we all understand. Uh, our Bibles split up into two parts, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament originally was written in Hebrew. New Testament originally written in Greek. Now, obviously, since then, they've all been translated to the English language. But sometimes, maybe if you get stuck in Scripture and you're like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what they're saying. You can go back to the original language and begin to dig into maybe what the intentions of the writer truly were. And so that's what I began to do in relation to this. And honestly, if I could pick one word for the year, it might just be this Greek word, if anybody had any idea what I was talking about. But it's that beautiful. And so this is what I want to dig into. And so forgive me ahead of time for, I'm sure, mispronouncing this. But the Greek word that I studied and, and found is called peripateo. We're going to put it on the board so that you can see this. Peripateo is this Greek word that I began to dig into. Now, it's, it's a verb in the Greek language, so inherently there's action, there's, there's movement within this. It's used 97 times in the New Testament, which actually means that it was a pretty popular word. It's, it's used quite often, and, uh, and typically it's translated in English as to walk. That's typically how it's translated, which makes sense, right? The simplest, purest form of movement is to walk. But again, as you dig in, we see these beautiful, beautiful concepts that I want to give ourselves to and see how we can apply to truly make an impact and to truly make some change, okay? Now, there are two primary meanings or definitions behind this word, peripateo, okay? Both of which I think are relevant, and so both of which we're going to dig into today, okay? So let's go ahead and jump right into the first meaning, and it's simple, but it's really, really important. The first meaning of peripateo is simply to move about or to make progress, all right? To move about or to make progress. So inherently within this word, there is this idea of advancing or, or rising. In fact, it's interesting, of the 97 times it's used in the New Testament, most of them are within the context of miracles. 
So again, there's this sense of rising above and advancing and, and progressing. And so let me give you a good example of this in the book of John. This is chapter 5. At this point in Scripture, Jesus is really right in the middle of his ministry on earth. And honestly, we get to look upon a pretty ordinary day. He is traveling through Jerusalem, which he had done many times. He's apparently headed to the temple, which he had done many times. Really nothing out of the ordinary until we pick up in verse number Two. And so let's read through this together. I want you to really picture this scene. Like you're, you're getting to watch it on a screen. This is what I want to do. Starting in verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. So already we're seeing movement. We're seeing motion in the story. Verse four, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Again, more movement, more, more motion. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. Verse five, a man was there who had been ill for 38 years, 38 years. Now, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? Verse seven, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Watch how Jesus responds in verse eight. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and parapeteo, walk. Watch what it says in verse nine. Immediately, the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now, all throughout this story, there's this idea and this feeling of motion and movement. We see it all throughout, but really here's the key that you have to understand about this story. Listen to me closely. See, the miracle that day was predicated on the movement. In other words, the miracle was dependent upon this man's willingness to get up and move. So, so catch this. Let's take a step back and let's really see this picture as full as we can. Scripture tells us this man has been sick for 38 years. 38 years. Now, apparently it was an illness that didn't allow him to walk. In fact, most theologians would say he was a paralytic, so he couldn't move at all. He, he couldn't move. For 38 years, he couldn't parapeteo. He couldn't move. And then all of a sudden, this random day comes along, perfectly normal day. He's not expecting anything different or out of the ordinary. This guy walks up to him and he says, hey, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Just, just, just get up and, and, and go. Now, I want you to put yourself in this man's shoes for a second. Sick for 38 years, that's more than I've been alive. And some random guy walks up to you and says, get up and walk. I, honestly, that would kind of frustrate me a little bit, right? Like, dude, it's not that easy. I haven't been able to move in 38 years. Get off my back, right? But catch this. This guy hears these words from a guy he doesn't even know, and he thinks to himself, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to move. And for the first time in 38 years, he gets up and begins to parapeteo. He begins to move. See, the miracle that day was predicated on whether this man made the choice to get up and to move. And see, listen, we see this trend all throughout the New Testament. We see it over and over again. Let me give you some examples. In Mark chapter 2, 
another paralytic that we read elsewhere in scripture, is lowered down from the ceiling by his friends so that Jesus would see him and, and heal him. And following the words of Jesus, he immediately rises and begins to parapeteo, begins to move. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus comes to a home where there's a sick little girl and following his words, immediately she gets up from her bed and begins to parapeteo, begins to move. Matthew 14, the disciples are caught in rough waters on the sea and miraculously they look out and they see Jesus walking on the waters and following his words, Peter gets out of the boat and begins to parapeteo, begins to move. Catch this, even in the book of Acts, which is after Jesus's ascension, I want you to think about that. The disciples over and over again heal people by proclaiming, get up and parapeteo, move. Over and over again, we see that the miracle is predicated on the movement. So catch this. This is what we need to learn from this. This is what we need to, to understand and be given to, okay? Listen, as a church, we, we can believe God's word all we want. We, we can proclaim God's promises all we want, but until we get up and move, nothing's gonna change. Until we get up and do something about it, it's gonna stay the same. And let me personalize this for you too. Maybe, maybe you're missing out on the connection. Listen to me. Listen, listen. God wants to do something special through you. Every one of you. He's created you. He's equipped you. He wants to do something special. But you have to get up and move. You have to get up and go. And see, here's the problem with this. And I can tell even from the reactions to this. I can scream and yell at you all I want to. And maybe even some of you might initially get a little inspired. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to move. I'm going to go. But guess what? You're going to leave. You're going to wake up tomorrow. And what's going to happen? You're going to forget. You're going to move on to, to something else. You're going to make every excuse in the book to see why you can't do it. That's what's going to happen. Did you notice that's even what happened with the paralytic initially in John chapter 5? His instinct was to make excuses. Catch this. Jesus walks up to him. Verse 6, he says, do you wish to get well? Do you want to get better? Now, just imagine again. 38 years, this man has been paralyzed. Do I want to get better? Are you kidding me? Of course I do. That's why I'm sitting at this pool day after day. I, of course I want to get better. That's all I care about, right? Except that's not how he responds. That's, that's not his attitude initially. What does he say in verse 7? Well, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. I can't do it. I, it's just not possible for me. But that's not even what Jesus asked. He just asked if you want to get well, and already his instinct is to make excuses. And this is our nature, I'm telling you. This is our nature. If you don't think we do this, you're crazy. I'm telling you right now, every day we do this. Every day. Hey, do you want to get healthier? You know, you just want to feel better about yourself. Well, you know, I just got other things I got to focus on right now, right? Or better yet, it's just in the genes. I just got bad genes. I don't think I can even get healthier, right? Excuses. Hey, do you want to advance in your career? Man, do you like want to rise up and, and move and, and, and move up the ladder? Do you want to do that? Yo, the problem is, is my boss, right? He just doesn't like me. He doesn't have me in the right position. And, and you know, it's his fault, right? Excuse after excuse after excuse. It's what we do all day long. And then what happens is we take it here as the church, knowing what we have to do. Knowing what we have to do, knowing the impact that we could make, and we continue with the excuses. Listen to this. Hey, do you want to come together and change the world? Like, do you want to make an impact? Do you want to do something special with your life? Well, you know, I just got a lot going on right now. Just, I don't, I don't know that I have time for that. But you know what the good news is, is you guys don't need me, right? You, don't, you guys can do that on your own, excuse after excuse after excuse. <laughs> this is our nature. 
And it's funny, I'm reading a book to start this year called No Excuses, which is maybe why I'm getting a little riled up about it. But, but I read uh, so much wisdom already that I'm finding in it. But I read this simple statement that um, isn't surprising, probably nothing we haven't heard before, but sometimes we do kind of need to get slapped in the face with it to remind ourselves what's really going on. This is what it said. It says, listen, it's not that you don't know what to do. <laughs> That's not the problem. It's not that you don't know the steps to take to get there. The problem is, is you don't have the discipline to actually do it. See, the problem is, is that you won't just get up and move. That's the problem. And it's hard to, to hear, like that hurts sometimes, but you know it's true just as well as I do. We, we make excuses. We've even tricked ourselves into thinking that we can't accomplish what we want to. I just don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the talent. I, I can't, I can't, I can't. But here's the bottom line. Listen, in your life and in the life of this church, we can either go out and we can make excuses or we can go out and we can make a difference. We can either go out and make a bunch of excuses as to why we can't, or we can go out and make an impact and change people's lives. Why don't we do that? Like, let's go, let's move, because ultimately this is what God desires from us, that we would get up and move. This is what he wants. And this is actually what brings us to the second meaning of the word peripateo. And this is really when we begin to lean into this idea of how we need to move. And let me explain what I mean when I say that. Really, step one with movement is just that we would get up and go, right? That's, that's step one, and that's big because most of us don't even get there because we're too complacent, lazy, lack confidence, whatever it is. And so just getting up and going is a game changer for most of us. But step two is just as important because, listen, simply moving doesn't automatically translate to success. Right? I mean, I can move around all day long, but if I'm not doing something intentional, if I'm not heading in a specific direction, is there really progress that's being made? And so this is where the second meaning really comes to light. And I want to break this down piece by piece so that we really understand how to apply it, okay? Now, the second meaning is, is super simple, but it's so profound. And I don't know if you heard the words to that last song, but maybe that will give you a little insight into just how profound this is. The second meaning to peripateo is simply to live, to live. In fact, this word peripateo comes from a Hebrew word meaning to live. But catch this, this is really cool, okay? Because this word doesn't just mean to exist. It doesn't just mean to be alive like we talked about in Acts 17. This word to live means to create force. It, they're, they're, inherently, there's, there's movement within it, but catch this because this is the key. That movement must be a daily movement, it must be constant. It must be daily. It must be a way of life. See, the first thing we have to understand with movement is that it's not temporary. It can't be temporary. It's not a one-time thing, right? We know we can't get up off the couch and go to the gym one time and be healthy, right? We wish we could, certainly, but, but that's not the case. See, successful movement is constant. It's relentless. It's persistent, and this is what we have to understand. So the only way that this is truly going to have an impact on us this year is if we live in it. If, if we live in, if it's a way of life, not that we're temporarily inspired, but that we can truly live in it every single day. So let me give you a few examples of how this sense of the word comes about in the New Testament. And I think you'll see not only this idea of it being a way of life, but also some beautiful wisdom in how this ultimately needs to play out. Okay, we're going to read through some scriptures. Here's what I think might be helpful for you. You can write this down. But um, when we read the word walk, peripateo, what I want you to understand is that that also means to move or to live. So when you see walk, remind yourself to move, to, to live. So let's start here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. 
It says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This is step number one. Walk, move, live in Christ. That's what's most important. Now, we talk about this a lot, right? That we should be rooted in, that we should be centered around Christ, right? In fact, that's our number one value as a church, that Jesus is the center. So we must be completely given to this. And this ties back to Acts 17, 28, right? For in him we live and move and exist. We must be in him. Now, listen, this is the priority So I want to pause for a second because if you don't feel like you're in Christ, if you don't feel like you've given your life to him, change that today. If you don't feel like you've truly submitted yourself to him and and received the Holy Spirit, make that change today. Because everything else that we're going to go on to talk about really doesn't matter if you don't first do that. So if you feel that tug, if you feel that move in your spirit, follow after it, seek after it, because that's where the life change happens. Okay, so we have to live in this. Let's move on to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Move in love. Live in love. Now, this is so, I mean, come on, this is so important in our world today, right? How much of this is going on right now? We desperately need a people that will rise up and move and live in love. I mean, that alone these days can change somebody's life if we would truly be given to it. So let's do that. Let's make that a way of life to truly walk in love, okay? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Just move by the Spirit. That's, that's what you need to do. In other words, don't move by your wants and your desires and your selfishness. Follow after Him. So that means the next time that you want to get angry and frustrated, move by the Spirit where there's patience and and gentleness. The next time that you want to get down on yourself, move by the Spirit where there's love and peace and joy. We need to be given to the Spirit. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. This is a big one. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We move by faith. We live by faith. That's, That's who we are which means that it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the picture is in front of us. We believe that God is going to provide. We believe that he's still in control. We're going to move by faith. We're not going to miss the miracle. We're going to move by faith knowing that he's going to provide. Again, this must be a way of life for us. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Walk in newness of life. Live in newness of life. What does that mean? It means you need to let your past go. It means you need to let go of of your mistakes and all the things that are behind you. We talked about it last week. Stop looking in the rearview mirror of your life. You need to look forward and see what God has in front of you. You know, in fact, so often the things that are not allowing us to move forward are the things that are holding us from our past. We need to let that go and live in the newness of life that Christ has given us, okay? One more, and this is really the one I wanna dig into for just a second because I think collectively, listen, collectively, this is the one that we need to lean into and be given to with everything that we have, okay? Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. So you're already seeing action. You're already seeing movement. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Why? So that we would walk in them. Why did God create you? Why did did he equip you? Why did he gift you so that you would move in it? Like, Like, go, make something happen. Now, can you imagine just for a second if every one of us truly gave ourselves to that principle? 
Like, listen, nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to get in my way. I'm getting up and I'm moving. I'm making it happen. Can you imagine what we would do together? Can you imagine the ways that we can move in, in our neighborhoods and workplaces and family and friends and, and in our community just by reflecting him and pointing to him and everything that we do? Just imagine the impact that we could make because catch this, this is what the church is called to do. This is who the church is called to be, that every one of us would go out into our own context and move and spread the gospel and, and be light and make change in people's lives. That's who we're called to be. And so listen, this, this is what I want to challenge us with more than ever this year. Not, not that it would end this year, but that it would start this year. I want to challenge us with not being complacent in our relationship with God or in the things that he wants to do through us. Like, don't, don't be complacent about that. Don't be complacent about the people who are out there who are lost and, and who need something, who are, who are hurting. We have to realize that we have to get up and move and ensure that we are always about his business, that we are truly about the mission of Jesus Christ. This is what we must be given to. So let me tell you what I think we need to, to ultimately see from this. If I could just try to, uh, try to just paint a picture for you, try to give you guys a vision here of what this needs to look like. If, if you need to close your eyes and eliminate distractions, I, I want you to see this. Like, I want you to see it and know that it can be real. Here's what I think we need to see. I think we need to see a group of people, which means not one of us, not a small group of us, but all of us, a group of people who are willing to put laziness and complacency aside and move forward, knowing that God's gonna do amazing things through us. That means that, that everywhere that we go, that we would spread the word of what he's done for us. Everywhere that we go, that we would just be light and, and, and love and, and be kind and be good. I'm telling you right now, I can, I can see real change. I can see real impact in this community. I'm telling you, I, I, can, I can see God's love and grace like hovering through our community, through our neighborhoods, through our, our homes. I can see families being mended and restored. I, I can see people being baptized one after the, the other. I can see leaders who are being formed. I can see all of these things. They're, they're possible. They're there. But we have to move. We have to get up and go. I'm just, I'm being honest with you guys. I'm tired of just talking about stuff. I'm tired of just theorizing about what might be possible or, or what we could do. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to move, but it's going to take all of us coming together to do that. Please stand with me. I've been so encompassed by this concept the last few weeks. And I apologize if I'm being too loud or too aggressive. I, I apologize. But this is something that we have to grasp. This is something that we have to be given to. Guys, we got to move. Like we got we to gotta do something. I'm... I, I'm not complacent. I, I don't want to be stagnant with where we're at. 
I mean, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the things that I see. I don't want to stay here. I want to make a real change in this community. I want to see us help people and and I want to see us introduce Christ to people and I want us to see a healthy and thriving and growing church. That's, I know it's there, but we got to move. Listen, God's word says, with him, all things are possible. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? His word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that? I promise you the future has no limits. The future has no boundaries to what God could do in and through us. No limits. But we gotta move. The miracle is waiting, but we gotta move. We gotta go. This is what this year is gonna be about. We're gonna start moving. We're gonna start taking action. We're gonna start making a change. Come on, can we do that together? Can we just lock arms and move forward in a way that truly changes the people around us to where we can get outside of ourselves and and realize that there are hurting lost people that, that Jesus wants to bring into his kingdom and it's up to us to move. Can we close our eyes right now? I just want to pray over us. Heavenly Father, I want to pray over every single person under the sound of my voice, whether they're in the building, whether they're watching online. Lord, right now, I proclaim, I proclaim that we would be a church that moves. That Holy Spirit, you would just completely change our lives and our mentalities in a way where it's no longer about us. It's no longer about us, but it's about the people who are out there that you're sending us to help. I proclaim a a season, I proclaim a year where we begin to move like never before, where we begin to go like never before, where we begin to see things like never before. I proclaim it in Jesus' name.